I'll give a wave like this just to let you know that that joke is over. Okay. I misbehave on stage, but I'm better than when I wasn't sober. Okay, so uh, I've sobered up, but there's still some blackouts. And um... I worked in Hyman's and survived tornadoes and trailers, but that don't mean I won't put in my two weeks later having a good time, baby. Having a good time, baby. We're having a real good time. We're having a good time, baby. Having a good time, baby. I'll tell you one more time. Oh, yeah. We're having a good time. Yeah. We're having a good time. And, uh... Okay. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the We're Having a Good Time podcast. My name is Dusty Slay. I'm your host, and uh, and we're back, and we're doing it. I'm in a new room. I moved to a different room. That doesn't matter to you because this is not on video, so you can't even see it. But I am in a different room. It feels good. I like it. Feels more private, although it's a, exactly the same amount of privacy as before. It feels more private because it's a smaller room. And what does privacy even matter when I'm recording it on uh, uh, the internet? What does privacy even mean? But I'm excited. I'm here. Um, I'm going to do this really fast. Where we've been, where we're going. Where they going. Where they been. Where they going. Where, where they been. Where we're going, where we've been. I want to say that last week I talked about going to St. Louis, and I don't think I ever said the club's name. Uh, no one reached out to me. No one said, hey, why did you not mention our club's name? But I thought about it after, and I went to the St. Louis Funny Bone and uh, had a great time, not to be confused with a helium. I've never actually performed at a helium. I've done Charlie Goodnights, which is associated with helium, and I've been booked at the Portland Helium, um, and I did an open mic once at the St. Louis Helium, but I've never actually done a weekend at a Helium. So this is the St. Louis Funny Bone. I had a lot of fun. I didn't go anywhere this past weekend, at least not to do comedy, but I do want to talk about a couple of things. I don't think that I talked about my show that I had recently. Uh, no, uh, what, when did I have that? November uh, uh, 11th. I didn't talk about that show last week. But it was really great. The show was sold out at Zany's. Uh, it's my monthly show, Dusty Slay's Grand Old Comedy Show. Maybe I did talk about it. Now that I'm thinking about it, I did. But I don't know. Everybody had a great set. I had Beekov, Ralph Barbosa, Jill Marigos, um, and um, Connor Larson on the show. And it was really great. I had a really fun time. And my friend Cody Corlew, uh, he... Uh, brought me a mask. He made me a wolf. I don't know if he made it, but he he said it was a, a homemade wolf mask. So I can wear the mask and have a wolf on it, which is a lot of fun. I still won't be wearing it, but it is a lot of fun. And um, and so speaking, no, let's not speak of that yet. Uh, but I want to talk about this. On Monday nights now, at least through November, hopefully it continues on because it's been really great. Zanies is doing something every Monday uh, called New Material Mondays. 
And I think the idea of New Material Mondays was that there was a lot of comics moving from L.A. and New York and other parts of the country to Nashville, and they wanted to kind of create an open mic of sorts to where all these big-time comics could, um, uh, you know, get to work out new material. But it's called New Material Monday, and I've been having a lot of fun. I've been to everyone. It's really great. Uh, you get a lot of drop-ins from, you know, famous comics uh, and good comics because they don't always go hand-in-hand. Hand. But um, uh, we um, – it has been a lot of fun. I mean, Nate Bargatze – came last night. I think he did like close to 20 minutes. It's all new material. So it, it's not going to be the A game stuff. We're all trying to work on new stuff, but uh, it's just really good. It's a fun show where you get to see a lot of comics and everybody does well. And again, it's not their A, A material, but it's really fun. And I think it's worth uh, dropping in to see. And so that's where, uh, that's kind of where I've been, where I'm going. I also... Last week, last weekend, we bought some land out in McMinnville, Tennessee, and uh, but we don't have any place to stay, and I'm not really much of a camper, so I looked up hotels in McMinnville. I thought I'd go out, spend a couple of nights in a hotel, and then I could spend my days out on the land, just kind of hanging out. I had planned to do work, but once I got out there, I really didn't want to do any work. I just kind of walked around. I hiked around the land a little bit, laid out in the grass. Me and Hannah went out there spread a blanket out in the grass and just laid out there on the land. And uh, we stayed at a place called the hotel situation in McMinnville is shady AF. You know what I mean? Like it is, I was like, Oh geez. And, but I found a bed and breakfast called the Falcon rest. And, uh, I don't guess anybody else will stay in there. We had the whole house to our play, our, ourselves and uh, it was great. I turned off my phone for a couple of days didn't do any social media for a couple of days. And I got to tell you, that's a real blast. I really came off of it and it felt good. I've been back on it today, but I really came off of it and it's been great. And we stayed at this bed and breakfast and at night, uh, two nights in a row, we played chess. There was a chess board set up. Hannah did not know how to play chess. And uh, I know how to play. I'm not, I'm not good at it, but I know how to play. And we play chess, and it's just amazing to um, to just not sit and stare at screens. And then after we played chess, one night we went in, and we stared at a screen. We watched uh, TV, and the movie Noah with Russell Crowe was on, and I had never seen it. Now, we didn't see the beginning, but I've read the book, and uh, I know how it goes. And I got to tell you, the movie really missed it. And uh, I'm going to talk about that in a minute, but I'd like to finish talking about McMinnville. So we went to um, McMinnville, and we have some neighbors out there, Donald and Peggy, and they're in their 70s and uh, very nice people. The first day we went out there, I was like, well, these people are the closest to our land, and I want them to know who I am. So that if they just look out their window and they see me out here roaming on the land, they know what's going on. So we went over there. We've been over there a few times. They always give us stuff. They're retired. They're doing things. They give us food and trinkets and whatnot. And they asked us to go to dinner with them. And we were like, yeah, sounds good. So we went to a place called The Landing in Rock Island. That's what the town's called. And they, The Landing is in a gas station. Um, but I'm down for the adventure. 
I like that about that kind of thing. You go out, you go just stop in to say, hey, the next thing you know, you're having dinner with them. I'm, I, I love the adventure. So we were like, yeah, let's do it. And it was really good. I had a hamburger steak. It was great. And then we had some pie. Great time. And I want to talk about a couple of other restaurants there in McMinnville. We went to the place called the Cumberland Biscuit House. Very good. Had a pimento cheese sandwich, which was unbelievable. Actually, the pimento cheese was unbelievable, but they had it on Texas toast and not a lot of cheese on there. I was like, come on, guys. You can give me some thin bread and a lot of cheese. And then Collins River Barbecue. None of these are sponsors. I'm just telling you. I went to these places. My mom and my sister came up, and they brought my my uh, step-grandnephew, I guess is what you would call him. He's my, he's my step-niece's son. And... Uh, but he's kind of being raised by two sets of grandparents and his great-grandmother, who would be my mom, his step-great-grandmother. There's a lot going on. And uh, he's, he's three, and he's in a, you know, three, I guess, is a wild age because he's wild. And uh, but we went there. We ate. We had a lot of fun. He roamed around the land. We took him for quite the hike, and then he, you know, passed out in the car. And that's what you want. So that's where I've been, where I'm going. That's a lot of fun. I want to talk about, oh, oh, where I'm going. I think uh, as long as nothing changes, this Saturday I'll be at the Grand Old Opry. Saturday, November 28th, I'll be back at the Opry for the first time uh, this year. Maybe the second time this year. I don't know. Either way, I did it 10 or 11 times in 2019 and then once to zero times in 2020. And that's sad. But um, new lockdowns are upon us. All that, I wrote all those notes, all those things I just went through, took up quite, it took up a page, a full page in this little notebook that I have. And to me, that was like, all right, this is going to be most of the podcast. That's what this is going to be about. And uh, I breezed right through it. Now I'm done. Now I'm on to something that I thought that I would potentially close the podcast um, my friend Barry Lemonak says that you should, for every hour that you're going to be on air or recording, you should do that much prep time. So I plan on being on here for an hour, and I did about 10 minutes of prep. And you know what? I did 10 minutes of prep, and then in about 10 minutes, I was done with it. So... Barry knows what he's talking about, but good thing for me is I can just talk, and I want to talk about a couple of things. One is I want to talk about new lockdowns. New lockdowns are coming, right? They're locking people down, and I'm like, listen, I don't know anything, okay? I don't know anything, but I'm convinced that no one knows anything. No one knows anything. Everybody is an expert now, but no one knows anything, right? Like, because just to me, I'm like, okay, they say, oh, if we didn't lock down, all these people would die, right? But we keep locking down, and then when we open, we lock down again. And then when we open, we lock down again. And then when we open, we lock down again. It's like, and they keep, peep, some people are calling this a second wave, but far as I'm concerned, this is like three or four waves. So it's like, how long can we do it, right? It's like at some point, you know, people, it's like 
it's beyond what was happening in the beginning. In the beginning, we were like, okay, this is going to be tough on businesses, but it's something we got to do, you know, in order to um, save lives, right? That's what we all thought. But at this point, some businesses are not going to survive. In fact, a lot of them have already not survived. And I saw a post from someone on Twitter, and it basically said, this was a this was a comic, I think, and they were like, there should be no indoor comedy right now, period. And then it said something like, and just so you know, if you're doing it, we're all laughing at you saying what a loser you are, <laughs> right? And I'm like, wow. Well, uh, and that wasn't directed at me as far as I know, but I also don't care. I was thinking the other day, if I had, you know, I used to, you know, I don't want to cuss on here, but you know, when you say you give, you don't give a F, right? It's like, you know, I don't, I wish that I had a little bit more of the I don't give an F that I used to have, but, uh, you know, I, um, I care about things now, so I can't say that I don't give an F because I do care about some things, but while me in my 20s would, would really be ashamed of how much I care about things now. But it's like, um, it's like, how do you think these comedy clubs are supposed to survive? You know, it's like the owners of comedy clubs are not all millionaires. I mean, you know, a lot of them own, own a comedy club like they own a restaurant. And if they're not doing shows, then they're not making money and their business is going to fail. And then when enough businesses fail, then the cities uh, become empty because not all cities are New York City, right? So you have a small city. Um, let's just take Chattanooga, for example. Chattanooga is a small city. And I don't know anything about uh, any of the club's finances. I don't know the, the owner's finances, but I know them, right? So I'm just using this as an example. I don't know that the owner of the Comedy Catch is not a gazillionaire. I have no idea. But let's say that he's not. Let's say he's a normal businessman. He owns a business. And as long as he keeps doing shows, he keeps making money. His business stays open. He's able to provide for himself and his family. And also he has a location in the center of Chattanooga. And he brings people into the city. And then when they leave the comedy club, or before they come to the comedy club, they go out to dinner. And then after the club, they go out and they have drinks. So all of these businesses are making money. And then all of these businesses, then they're bringing in customers. So that money is going to employees. And then all those people are going out and they're doing other things. So, And they're spending the money. So it's got this whole cause and effect thing that as long as people are able to run their business everybody is getting money but if you just say hey you can't you shouldn't be doing this right now so then nobody does comedy shows so now nobody's going to that business so now that business owner is not able to provide for himself or his family and then the people that would have came to dinner or gone out for drinks before and after the show now aren't doing that. So the places that serve dinner, they're not getting paid. So they're not able to provide for their families. And then the people that uh, work at the bar, they're not getting paid. So now they're not going to provide. So when those businesses fail, now you have these vacant lots that are just sitting there. And either they're going to end up sitting there and be totally abandoned and fall in like so many towns in America, or 
Uh, they're going to be bought up by the major corporations, which everyone seems to hate. And then every one of your local fun restaurants will be uh, Chipotle and Starbucks. And then everything will be the same. So much like it is already, but even more so. I mean, Amazon, that dude is getting rich during all of this. And it's like, it's really fun. I mean, I use Amazon all the time. It's really fun to have that. And I like that that exists. But I also like going to stores. Sometimes going to a store and buying something is just getting out. But it's like so many people are shaming people for trying to work and trying to do things. And also, uh, you know, I, I read all kinds of things. And I mean, masks, people have been wearing them. People have been wearing them, and now we're still having more cases. And then they go, well, that's because not everyone's wearing them. But it's like more people are. So if they were working, you would think that the cases were going down. You would think that they would be going down. But the moment you talk about any of this stuff, the moment you talk about businesses failing, the moment you talk about maybe masks are not working the way that we think they're supposed to work, uh, someone yells at you and tells you that their aunt died or their, you know, their second cousin's uh, stepbrother died. And it's like, it's unfortunate. It's horrible, right? It is horrible. I hate to hear of anyone dying, but it's like, we must live our lives. You know what I mean? And this is not some doom and gloom message. This is a message of happiness. People tell me, they say, wear the mask so things can go back to normal. I say, take off the mask and it's already normal. You know what I mean? It's like, what do we do? I mean, my theory, and again, I know nothing. I know nothing, but I'm convinced that no one knows anything. Um, it's like, uh, I don't know. I forgot even what I was going to say. I don't even know what that last part was going to be. But, um, you know, I, I, I know that no one knows anything, right? I used to host trivia. I was a trivia host for a long time. I, would add, I got questions from someone else. Oftentimes, especially in the early days of drinking, I wouldn't even read the questions before going in to do the trivia. So I definitely did not check them to see if the answers were correct. I was just given the questions and then I went and I read them. And I was very good at it. I had a great time. And one time I was hosting trivia and it was some kind of medical question. And this girl, she's a little bit drunk. Now I'm sober by this point, so I remember it quite well. She's a little bit drunk and she comes and what, you know, I'll read the question off into a microphone and then people will have, you know, three minutes to answer uh, the question that I've asked. And then they'll write it down on a piece of paper and they'll bring it up to me. And then this girl comes up and she slaps the paper down on the desk and she says to me, I know this is correct. And then she motions to her table and she goes, because he is a doctor, right? So then I open her answer and I look at it and it's according to the answer that I have, it's not the right answer. This, this person's wrong. Now, I don't know if the guy is not a doctor and is just lying to this girl to try to get a date or maybe he is a doctor and he's just a, not an all-knowing master of everything as sometimes I think we often uh, want to make doctors out to be, right? Doctors are helpful, right? I guess. I mean, they never, they never really helped me, um, but um, they, uh, you know, like surgeons and stuff like that, it's amazing. It's amazing what people can do. You know, you get your arm busted up, or you get cracked bones, or you get, you get 
cut up and burned up. And it's like, it's amazing what they're able to do to put you back together. That's amazing stuff. But as far as just general health, I saw some like, uh, I don't know, this is a meme, who knows if it's true. But it just said in ancient China, doctors would get paid based off healing patients, right? So if a patient went in and said, I'm sick, and then the doctor healed them, then they got paid. I think, wow, what an amazing system because I keep going to the doctor about my stomach. I've been to the doctor several times now about my stomach. They've given me a, uh, cause I go in because I have stomach pains and, uh, it's all, I'm sure it's all based on me eating like crap. Um, uh, but sometimes I freak out and then, um, I end up going to the doctor. And so I've, I've had a, uh, a full body scan. They've scanned my, my, I've sat in a tube and they scanned me and then, um, I've uh, had a blood test done, and then one time I drank a gross drink and then blew into a bag, and they sent it off. And every time they go, uh, I, got the, I got the CAT scan done or whatever, and they were like, or MRI, whatever it is. They go, oh, you're fine. We didn't find anything. I was like, okay, great. Well, I'm still sick, but uh, if you say I'm fine, I'm fine. And then I did the blowing in the bag thing, and that guy called me, and he goes, hey, got your test results back. Uh, you don't have anything, so you're all good. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, I'm still sick. But, uh, and then I got a blood test done recently, and they were like, we'll have your test results by Friday. I was like, okay, great. And then I uh, didn't get anything on Friday, so I called on Monday, and they called me back, and they go, uh, if you're calling in regards to the results to your blood test, um, uh, it was all negative, uh, so you're all good. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Well, I'll just keep giving you money for you to tell me I'm good then. So anyway, so I'm at Trivia. This girl puts it down. She says, I know it's right because he's a doctor. It points to the guy. He's grinning. And then I open the paper up, and the answer's wrong. According to the answer that I have, the answer's wrong. So I mark them wrong, and then I announce the right answer, and she gets furious, and she's mad, and she comes over, and she goes, are you a doctor? And I was like, you know, obviously not. I mean, I'm hosting trivia at a bar called Yo Burrito on a Thursday. Obviously not. I'm working for a little bit of money and hopefully some guacamole. And uh, obviously I'm not a doctor. And uh, she was so mad. My point is, nobody knows anything. You know, we all just walk around here. We read things. All our knowledge comes from somebody else or from a book and we have no idea. We all just hope that the things we're reading are the correct things. We hope that the people we listen to are telling us the right things. But chances are they're not, you know? And it's like people used to make fun of me for, well, they still do, for getting information from YouTube. I just don't get as much information from there because YouTube's dead. Um, at least on the conspiracy front, it's dead. But uh, heavy censorship, which is also very scary and not fun. But the... Um, uh, people would make fun of me about getting information from YouTube. I'm like, what's the difference in YouTube and a book? Uh, well, one uh, had to go through a publisher and the other just got to put it right out. So, you know what I mean? It's like, I, I realize that that sounds ridiculous, but a book simply is uh, just someone writing a bunch of stuff down and then having it printed, right? I mean, that's what it is. Like, I could write a book, it may not be good, but I could write a book. And I also know people that could write. I know people that could word things in such a way that it would just sound brilliant and, and mean nothing. So I'm just saying, I don't think, I don't think we know stuff. I think we think we know things. 
But I tell you what I do know. Oh, I want to talk a little bit more about trivia, though. That was fun. I always tried to do some jokes from trivia, but trivia was always so interesting. I would go and I would sit in a bar. And once you got, once you, you know, I would do a weekly trivia game. So, and once you got your, your, your setting, like this was your restaurant, you did it every Tuesday. It was your spot. The, the people that came there got used to you and everything was fun and it was a good time. But in the beginning, or if you substituted for someone, it could be a little rough because people were used to their trivia guy and they didn't like a substitute trivia guy. I mean, part of coming there, I think, was the entertainment that you got from your trivia guy. And uh, especially if you didn't really enjoy your friends. But I had two main trivia gigs for the majority of the time. I hosted Tuesday nights at a Mellow Mushroom in uh, West Ashley, uh, outside of Charleston, South Carolina. And then I had uh, Thursday nights at Yo Burrito downtown. Those were my main gigs. I bounced around. I did some others for a while, but those were my main ones. Yo Burrito I did for a really long time, and I, I had that was my longest one. I remember I used to get so drunk hosting trivia. I remember, and, and, and the people at my trivia, they knew that. They knew the first half I'd be able to read really clearly. Everything would be good. And by the second half, fourth quarter, things would get fuzzy. I, I would have a hard time reading sometimes. I would struggle to do the math. And uh, everybody knew it, you know. But I would go and I'd shotgun a beer in the back with the kitchen staff, you know, while I'm waiting on answers for a question. Or people would bring me up shots, and I'm just getting loose with it, and I'm having a good time. And uh, so that was always a lot of fun. And then I, I remember one time I was doing the. This is some of these references will just be for people that know the area. But I was doing the kicking chicken on James Island, which James Island can be a little bit. It's got a redneck slash beach vibe. You know, I always loved that. I used to live, I lived out there for years and it was a lot of fun. You know, it's like, you know, you wear a trucker cap and flip flops and, uh, uh, you know, you, I don't know, smoke black and milds and drink margaritas. I mean, it's a great time. I loved it. But I was out there one night and I was hosting trivia and I was drinking. And towards the end, I had a little trouble reading something or a little trouble doing math. And somebody yells out, they go, quit drinking. And I'm like, no, dude, that's why I do trivia. If I can't drink out here, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this because I love it so much. I do it because I like drinking, and this gives me something to do while I'm drinking. Um, but as it went on, I, I sobered up, and then I kept hosting trivia. And uh, one night I was out. This was a place. It was outdoors. What was it called? It used to be a gas station, and then it became a, a, a bar. I forget what it was. Maybe Fuel is what it was called. And I was hosting trivia out there on a patio. And I had there was a lady out there. She had the compression socks on, but she was smoking cigarettes. And I don't know if there's a correlation, but I think if you have compression socks, there's something going on with your veins. So maybe don't smoke. But hey, I'm not a doctor. You know what I mean? What do I know? So this lady, she's out there, and then she has a super redneck older dude with her. You know, he he is li- not unlike a person that I've known personally, right? He's like, uh, like he's the kind of guy that like maybe is missing his front teeth, but he also may have a pair of false teeth at home that he can wear sometimes, but he doesn't always wear them because, hey, his gums get bothered. And, uh, you know, but he's out having a good time, and I'm not judging him. Right. I don't you know, I very well may be a man missing his front teeth by the time I'm that age. Uh, so I, all I'm saying is 
this is what the guy looked like. A little bit of a mustache. You know, he's like, he's drinking, probably a really good dude, but messes up a lot and paints houses and drinks a lot. And I ask a question, and I don't remember the question. It might have been a fairly difficult question. I've always tried to play it down like it wasn't a big question. But it might have been a heavier-handed question. And the guy comes over to me, and he says, if I knew the answer to that, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> right? And I, and I always just thought, what a, what a weird thing to say. Like, where would you be? If you knew the answer to that question... I would think trivia night would be the perfect place to be. This would be the place where you're off um, hustling all the local trivia spots, you know, trying to win big money because you know the answer to the difficult questions. Where else would you be? You wouldn't, just because you knew the answer to that doesn't mean you're going to be a scientist. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what people, if I knew the answer to that, I wouldn't be here. Okay, so that may be all I have for trivia for now, but, uh, I, oh, here's another one. There was a guy, his name was Nate, no, Nat, a historical African-American fellow named Nat something. Now, now, but the last name's not coming to me, but, you know, my trivia, I'm not, you know, some great historian, um, but my trivia crew that wrote the questions would often have misspellings and incorrect things in there. They would often do that. So I was like, oh, man, is this guy's name Nat or is this Nate? And they forgot to put the E on it. So I read the guy's name, and then some guy yells out. He goes, it's Nat. Read a book. <laughs> right? A good insult upset me. Uh, I didn't know how to come back, but. Read a book. How, how is reading going to make me know how to pronounce things better? It's really not. You can read the word wrong for a long time and it not mean anything. Um, somebody asked me one time what my top five favorite Johnny Horton songs were. And I'm going to be honest. I never really listened to Johnny Horton. A lot of this stuff, I, a lot of you know, people I have not listened to. But uh, so I went and I listened to some Johnny Horton songs. And he has some that I really like. But I like them like he does this song. And I don't know if he originally wrote this song or not, but this is one of his songs. I'm a honky-tonk man. All right. So I know that Dwight Yoakam sings it. I know that Elvis sang it. I don't know that I know that. I think he did. But I like this kind of bass in the background, right? Money's all gone. I'm on the telephone. Hollering, hey, hey, mama, can your daddy come home? And I can appreciate this music, but it's a little too old for me. I just was listening to it, and I'm just like, I'm not that into this. So I don't know that I'll be able to put together a top five. But I will tell you, a song that I had never heard 
And I listened to it and I was like, I really like this song. So I'll play this one, a little bit of this one right now. So whoever that was, I don't remember who it was. They sent it to me on Instagram and sometimes those things get lost. But I did not forget, I just forgot to talk about it. So here's a song by Johnny Horton called Take Me Like I Am. I'm living on the other side of the track, it's true. But like it or not, I'm just as good as you. If I see you coming with your head held so high, don't you worry about me speaking, I'll pass you right on by. This world is full of money, but I haven't got a dime. Had a million heartaches, but I'm happy all the time. I can be like a tiger or as meek as a lamb. If you want to get along with me, you'll take me like I am. All right, so that's a fun one, right? So that's the one I like. I like that one. And then also someone asked me, and now I can't even think of this guy's name. Um, who He was, he was in the uh, Flying Burrito Brothers. But I, I, I want to, I mean, I want to find out who this guy is, but uh, let me look it up real quick. But... Um, I just have never been a fan. I want to be, right? This seems like someone I should really like. And um, Grandpa, no, oh, okay. Well, that's not even who I'm thinking of. Is it? Oh, man, wow. Well, I, that okay, now I know who it is, though. Wow, this is... I've had this all wrong all this time. Graham Parsons, that's not who I was talking about. Towns Van Zant is who someone asked me. Was I, you know, what some of Towns Van Zant's favorite songs that I liked? And I just, I just don't think I like Towns Van Zant. I don't know if I should, you know, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Actually, I don't care. I just, like, I want to like him because I feel like, I'm like, this is a guy I should like classic country little dark but it's just too depressing for me it's just too much right but i thought townsend vant i was thinking he was graham parsons which doesn't even make sense so i started listening to flying burrito brothers the other day in an attempt to listen to some of towns van zant but this is one of my favorite songs but i also like it by willie and merle better but here it is Poncho and Lefty by Towns Van Zandt. Living on the road, my friend What's gonna keep you free and clean Now you wear your skin like iron And your breath's as hard as kerosene You weren't your mama's only boy But her favorite one, it seems she began to cry when you said goodbye and Sank into your dreams 
Poncho was a bandit boys. His horse was fast as polished steel. Wore his gun outside his pants for all the honest world to feel. But Poncho met his match, you know, on the deserts down in Mexico. And nobody heard his dying words. Oh, but that's the way it goes. I mean, this is a great song. This It's hard to beat this song. But I just found this one, and this is one that I like by Towns Van Zandt, too. It's so depressing. Sometimes I don't know where this dirty road's taking me. Sometimes I don't even know the reason why. But I guess I keep a gambling, lots of booze and lots of rambling. Well, it's easier than just waiting around to die. One time, friends, I had a all, I even had a paw. Well, he beat her with a belt once, cause she cried. She told him to take care of me, headed down to Tennessee. Oh, it's easier than just waiting around to die. All right, so that's a fun song. I mean, that's that's depressing. And it's like, these songs don't depress me, but I also don't really get into them. And I don't know if this has something to do with uh, being a Christian or what, but I just don't, I mean, like this whole waiting around to die idea, I just don't get into because I'm like, I believe that as long as I'm here, there is purpose for me. And that when I when my purpose has run its course, God will take me, right? As long as I'm here, there is still purpose for me to be here. And that's what I believe. So, and when it's my time to go, uh, God takes me. And I don't mean that in the sense of, hey, you got to go somehow. You know what I mean? Like people used to say that all the time, but while they're eating, you know, the worst food possible. And it's like, yeah, you got to go somehow, but maybe don't, you know, just choose to feel terrible the whole time you're here and um so all right that's gonna lead me into so i hope that if you've asked me about those things what i will say is maybe shoot me back uh some of your favorite songs by johnny horton some of your favorite songs by town van zant and uh also throw me one of some of your favorites of graham parsons if you like them because i'm interested in hearing um all of those things. Oh, I want to play this. I'm interested in hearing it, but sometimes when it when when the task is just like just go listen to this person, unless I'm really into it, it's hard. This is Wild Horses by Flying Burrito Brothers.
Okay, so that's that. But I'm going to tell you my favorite version of Wild Horses, and then I'm going to talk about the movie Noah. I know people are dying for that. This, this is the best that, I mean, this is the best that it gets when it comes to Wild Horses, in my opinion. Now, I am a Leon Russell fan. Um... I, he has, he's got a weird voice, but he's always jamming. And this is Leon Russell's Wild Horses. He's, the, he's a piano guy. So that's so good, but I'm going to go ahead and hit you. I'm going to hit you with uh, a couple more Leon Russells real quick. Oh, I'm into this now. Leon Russell, though, I mean, what a weird dude, but this song. All right, let me stop this one. The um, I've talked about Leon Russell before, and I've talked about how I heard him for the first time when I was, you know, living in Charleston. And I may tell a little bit of that, but I started trying to get into Leon Russell because of this experience I had had. I'll just tell a quick version. I had just moved to Charleston. Me and my friend Joey Tomlinson, we were walking down the street and um, in Charleston, walking down Queen Street. This is probably 2003. We had just moved there. I got long hair. We are just kind of bebopping down the road, and we've been out drinking, been out to the rooftop, and I say the word bebop because that's what a guy said to us. He um, comes pulling up next to us in this truck, and he said, I just saw you guys bebopping down the road here. You got your long hair, and he's like, I'm headed down to 82 Queen. First round's on me if you want to come, and we were like, well, we're doing nothing. This guy's name was Kenny. We were like, we're doing nothing. And this weird guy, Kenny, is inviting us to a bar. We thought the guy may be up to something. We developed a plan how we would beat him up and get out of there if we needed to. But we were like, let's do it. So we went and hung out with this guy. We had several drinks at this fancy, kind of fancy bar, 82 Queen. And uh, and then he was like, let's go over to this place called Mama's Blues House. And I never got to go there. I guess it closed down. But we were like, okay, and we got in his truck, and he uh, pulled out a pipe uh, with uh, with uh, marijuana in it, uh, and, uh, you know, I'm not saying anyone partook in it, but I'm saying he had it, and, uh, and he was listening to Leon Russell, and uh, 
I know he was listening to a song, uh, this album. I don't remember what song exactly, but I'm going to play a little bit of this one here. It's so good. So that was so we were jamming, listening to that. I bet that's not even uh, the song, but that is the album because I remember the cover. So after a while, years went by, four four or five years went by, and I'm and I'm trying to get into Leon Russell because I'm like I just keep remembering this moment, and I remember this guy being so cool and just buying us drinks and sharing things with us and just being such a cool dude and being like, man, what did he? like about Leon Russell because I was listening to it and I could not get into it. So I was like, what did he like about Leon Russell? So I keep listening. And then time goes by, I start hosting this open mic. And I've talked a little bit about this uh, on my Spectroside podcast. But I I was hosting this open mic at Upper Deck and I, I would always get pretty drunk. And one night, this uh, f- uh, fairly curvy uh, redheaded girl came in with a red dress on. And I just thought, my goodness. I remember I was on stage when she walked in and I saw her and I was just like, my goodness. And this was before the days of online dating when you had to go talk to people. So I went up and I talked to her and uh, we hung out a little bit that night and uh, we ended up hanging out again later that weekend. And she said, well, it's terrible timing. She said, because I'm about to move to France for a few months. So uh, so she's like, I'm moving home to Florida and then I'm moving to France. So I went one more time and I visited her in Florida or actually we met up in St. Augustine, Florida. Uh, that's not where she was living, but we met up there and we spent the weekend together before she left and went to France and she moved to France and we stayed in touch, uh, via Facebook. Uh, you know, we'd message every, every couple weeks, every month or so. And then, um, when she got back, I went to visit her where she lived in Florida. And we had a great time. And I felt like I was really, you know, in love. Now, time would tell me that I was not. I was in what you would call in lust, uh, not in love. But on the way back, I had just gotten this Leon Russell album. And uh, I started listening to this song. And it has nothing to do with her at all. Uh, it's not even a love song as far as I can tell, but it always just sticks out in my mind as, uh, 
And, and just remember and listening to this on the way back from her house. And it's another Leon Russell song. And it's the one that really got me in. That's the one that locked me in. I was like, all right, I like this guy. And then I started to find other things after that. I'm up on a tight wire. One side's ice and one is fire. It's a circus game with you and me. I'm up on a tight rope. One side's hate and one is hope. But the top hat on my head is all you see. And the wire seems to be the only place for me. A comedy of errors and I'm falling. Like a rubber neck giraffe. You look into my past. Well, maybe See, I'm up in the spotlight. Oh, does it feel right? Well, the altitude seems to get to me. I'm up on a tight wire, playing by life and the funeral pyre. All right, so that one is such a good one. But off that album, there is other. Let's see if I can pull that up. Yeah, here is... This was also one that I always liked off that album. So that's good. All right, and here's the last one. This is probably his most famous. I've been so many places in my life and time. I've sung of songs I've made some bad rhymes I've acted out my love in stages with 10,000 people watching but we're alone now and I'm singing this song to you and I know your image of me is what I hope to be Treat you unkind. 
see There's no one more important to me Darling, can't you please see through me Cause we're alone now And I'm singing this song to you Wow, that's a good one. All right, but this is also a fun one, and this is it. Let's not do that one. Let me see here. They're all so good. All right, this is what I'll tell you. Go listen to, if you want to listen to Leon Russell, listen to the album Leon Russell and the Shelter People. That album, front to back, is unbelievable, and that's the one that I listened to with the guy named Kenny in his car. And then this one is, the other one is called Carney by Leon Russell. That's got a lot of really good ones on it, too. And then last, then give uh, the album Leon Russell by Leon Russell a listen. But I would do that one third because of, of all of them, that's the least good in my opinion. Okay. All right, so I want to talk about the movie Noah, right? I listen, I watched the movie Noah, and I'm gonna, I'm just gonna read you a couple of things out of the Bible, and it said, you know, this is in the days of Noah, and it says, um, uh, this is Genesis six, and it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and the daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair. And they took them wives, all which they chose. Now, some people believe that this is saying that as the earth began. Now, I know to people that that, you know, just believe uh, regular everyday stuff that all this sounds crazy. So just if you're not interested in it, just listen to it as if I'm telling some crazy story. Um, and, and if you believe it, believe it. If you don't, I mean, People of all opinions are welcome here. I've learned that people, I've learned as I share videos on TikTok that people love to share their opinions, you know. But the great thing about a podcast is I come on here, I share thoughts, and then you choose whether to listen or not. And I appreciate you listening. Uh, and I'm just trying to share interesting things with you. And I'm trying to tell you how bad the movie Noah messed up. Now, I didn't see the beginning of Noah, so I don't know what happened. But if we're just basing it off the book, that would be a few chapters out of Genesis. This is how I think would have been an interesting way. So these daughters, they say the sons of God, meaning the fallen angels, right? I mean, uh, there's a guy named Michael Heisner. He's written a lot of books on this, the idea of, you know, there's God, and then God has created angels and other uh, beings of sorts, uh, watchers, other types of beings, and then humans, right? And if you read like Ezekiel always has all these crazy uh, depictions of people in heaven, winged beast, a beast with eyes on their wings. That's why I like the King James Version. Some of the other versions really water things down and you don't even see any of the cool stuff. Uh, Daniel has books about beast and Revelation has books of beast. And so... There's all kinds of different things. So sons of God, a lot of people believe are, um, you know, people that God, uh, beings that God has created, which if we were to see them would be like gods to us, but they are not the God. In fact, in the beginning, um, uh, 
let's see, when God was creating people, um, it said, let's see. Okay. And okay, here it is. All right, I had it highlighted. Jeez. All right, here it goes. And it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Right? Now, us, our, like some people say that's the Trinity. He's talking to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. I don't know if that's true or if it is some other type of beings that he've created, also created uh, to look like him. So, and then we move on down to chapter five uh, or verse five of chapter six. And it said, uh, oh no, four. And there were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men and they bear children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Right? So, and go on down, it said, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And then Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Noah had a wife, and all of his sons had wives. And then Noah was to build an ark. It doesn't say anyone helped Noah build the ark, but his sons. And it took them years to do this. I mean, it says Noah was 600 years old when the ark was built. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you could do the math to find out how old he was when he started. But he was six. Now, I'm setting this all up because I want to talk about the movie a little bit. So I just want to tell you a little bit about what the Bible says about this account. And, you know, everybody always. Now, this may blow a lot of Christians' minds. It blew my mind, actually, uh, when, I, when I read this. Because all you always hear is two by two by two. Noah took two of every animal onto the ark and people go well that's impossible how would he get all the elephants and rhinos and well i mean i think if you were to take an elephant you would take a baby elephant which they did not do on the movie noah's ark so i think that was a real mess maybe you don't go with the most giant elephant you can find you take a baby but everybody says two by two by two by two right and it, but actually in chapter 7, verse 2, it said, Of every clean beast, thou shalt take thee by sevens, the male and his female, and beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female. So he's taken sevens, seven by seven, of clean animals, and two by two of unclean animals. Now, no one ever wants to have that conversation of clean versus unclean animals, but there's a very interesting thing in Leviticus and then again in Deuteronomy worth reading if you're just interested in, because Christians always tell me, what is it, uh, Leviticus, uh, 
11 uh, really goes through the whole chapter just about on, uh, yeah, the whole chapter is all about food. And a lot of people will tell me, well, I don't think God cares about what we eat. And I just think, well, he devoted a whole chapter in Leviticus to it. And then again, in Deuteronomy, it was repeated. But hey, that's neither here nor there. I'm just talking. So then they build this ark. They put all these animals on there. And then the floods come and the ark is lifted up and they fly and they float away. I'm sure now they float away with um, Noah, his wife, his three sons and his three sons' wives. And then when they land, Noah comes off, he plants a vineyard. I don't know, maybe he's celebrating a little bit. Maybe he's lonely. Who knows? I mean, who wants to be trapped on an ark for over a year with just their family and a bunch of animals? He plants a vineyard, he gets drunk, and it's like, hey, I mean, after all that time, I may want to get drunk too, you know what I mean? Um, And um, interestingly, his son Ham, it says... uh, And Noah began to be a husbandman, and he planted a vineyard. And he drank of the wine and was drunken, and he was uncovered within his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his brethren without. And Shem and Japheth, they cover him up. And then it says, and Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done unto him. And he said, cursed be Canaan. That would be the son of Ham. Not the, the kid did nothing. Uh, only Ham did. He said, cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be to his brethren. Right? So he cursed the son of Ham because it says, and Ham the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father, right? Now, I thought, wow, that's really intense. You see your dad naked after he's gotten wasted and he passes out, he's naked, and you see him naked, and now your son's cursed? That seems intense, right? But I was reading, and I came upon Leviticus. Now, this is a, this is a, this is a Bible study we're doing now. And I didn't intend for it to be this way, but I'm into it. So I got to a, a now, that, now the thing that I just read, and Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without. That is chapter 9 of Genesis, chapter 9, verse 22. Now, if you go to Leviticus chapter 20, verse 11, you read this. This is a, this is a lot of rules. Uh, I think the rules are good. I mean, a lot of these rules, if we were following them, I think we would have a healthier, we would be nicer to each other in general. I know people like to pick things out and go, what about this? But I just think in general, if we, we were following you know, these rules, we would be nicer to each other. And this says, Leviticus 20.11 says, And the man that lieth with his father's wife hath uncovered his father's nakedness. Okay, so again, this says, And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his brethren without. And the man that lieth with his father's wife hath uncovered his father's nakedness. So it's not exact, but it makes me think that Noah got drunk and then Ham 
slept with his mom and got his mom pregnant, and that's why his son was cursed. Now, I don't know if that's true, but wow, that's crazy. So with all of these things in mind that I just read, there was, there was um, according to the Bible, there was fallen angels had come down, had mated with human women. These human women gave birth to giants. The earth became so corrupt and so dangerous and so violent that God wanted to destroy the whole thing. He wanted to just destroy it all. But he found, Noah found grace in the, in the Lord. So God says, okay, I'll save your family. You'll be the one to restart humanity. You build this ark, take all the animals with you. And then when you come off, you start again and you start better. So all that in mind, this, that's how the Bible lays it out. And then potentially when they land, uh, immediately Ham uh, sleeps with his mom. And uh, again, I don't know if that's true. But that is the stuff that's in there. But in the movie, the giants were like weird tree people. And the giants were on Noah's side. And they were protecting Noah. And they were helping Noah build the ark. Noah is a psychopath in the movie. He's played by, I don't know, I forget his name, the guy that plays Gladiator. He's played by that guy, who I like a lot. Um, And then his wife, Noah's wife, is also an actress that I really like, but she was in um, the movie Requiem for a Dream, where they have that one scene where she's, you know, doing sexual things for heroin. So it makes it tough for me to see the gladiator as Noah and the 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 lady where the gal was like, ass to ass. You know what I mean? I'm sorry, that was gross, I know, but that's what he says. And I just picture that, and I'm like, oh, I like her a lot, but maybe, maybe she's not Jennifer Conley. I'm like, maybe she's not Noah's wife. But anyway, so uh, Noah and his wife, they get on the boat, right, and then – there's only a kid, there's only a wife for the oldest kid, and it's a girl from Harry Potter, and she apparently is barren, which is not mentioned throughout the Bible. And then uh, her grandfather blesses her stomach and makes her unbarren, and then they get on the boat, and then the two sons, they don't have, the other two sons, they don't have wives. They don't have wives when they board the ark. But also a guy named Tubal Cain, who is, a, you know, he's mentioned in the Bible. He is like the leader of the rest of the world, I guess, and the evil world. He sneaks his way onto the ark, and then uh, we find, and then Noah is like, we got to kill all mankind. He said, when, when the boat, when the ark lands, we're to, you know, we're to, uh, we'll be the last humans, you know, the, this daughter's barren. So there'll be no more kids. Me and my wife won't have any more kids and we're going to be the last people. And then earth will be fine. Cause it'll just be animals, right? He's a psychopath though. Everybody's all sad about it. But then the girl from Harry Potter turns out she's pregnant. She's pregnant. And, and, and they, and, and, um, Noah's like, well, I'm going to kill your baby. When your baby's born, if it's a boy, it lives because it can't reproduce. But if it's a girl, I'm going to kill the baby, which is definitely not mentioned anywhere in Genesis. 
So, but he's like, I'm going to do it. And it tears the whole family apart. Meanwhile, two ball Kane is on the ship, which is definitely not mentioned either. And he starts killing animals. He's killing different kinds of animals on the ship. And then he gets his son. He's got one son, Ham, who's real pissed with him. Ham is pissed because he couldn't find him a wife. Oh, and Ham went off and found his own wife. But on his way back, she got caught in a bear trap. And so uh, Noah rescued him and not her. But for a man who cares so much about wanting man to end, he really saved his son's life. But it is just turmoil on the ark. The whole time it's just turmoil. And he's like, as soon as your baby's born, I'm going to kill them. So nine months go by, and then she has a baby. They determine that it's a girl, and everybody's upset because they know he's gonna, Noah's going to kill it. And then turns out she has twins. So Jennifer Conley said, God said we needed two wives, and he provided two women. Now, obviously, if you're only if you only have uh, eight people and they're to reproduce the whole world, you're going to have some inbreeding. But at least you can spread it out to where it's down the line a bit. But this way of thinking, these two babies that were just born are, uh, you know, are one day going to marry their uncles. And I'm like, well, that's not what the Bible says. And then... Um, you know, Noah goes to kill him, and he can't do it, and so they land, and then Ham sees Noah naked and just kind of laughs at him, and then he gets cursed and has to leave, and then uh, and then they just, it's just such a weird, dark story that's just not accurate at all, and I don't know that this was the really the rundown that I wanted it to be, but it's just not accurate at all, and it's upsetting. But anyway, read Genesis 6, 7, 8, and have a good time with it. It's a lot of fun. Also, my family Thanksgiving was canceled because I have a lot of old people in my family, and I guess they're afraid to get COVID. And, uh, and that's a shame because I like seeing them a lot. I am still going to spend some time with some family. Um, I hope you guys do too. I hope, that, I hope that you get to hang with some people. It's important to spend time with people. It is important to be around people. It's important to be around family. Uh, don't let fear keep you from experiencing your family. And I saw so many articles about how to deal with your parents about politics. I'll tell you how to deal with it. If you disagree with your parents politically, this is how you deal with it over the holidays. You don't talk about politics. And if they talk about it and you're in their house, just just hear it. It doesn't matter. None of it matters. You get back home, you live your own life. But do your best to spend time with your family and enjoy them because you never know when people are going to be gone. You never know. Listen, I appreciate you guys listening to this podcast. I hope it's not ranty. I hope that wasn't too preachy. I enjoy going into that stuff. Please share your thoughts with me. Share your thoughts. I want to talk about Mark of the Beast next week. Nobody's talking about that. And I started talking about that in St. Louis with some people and I was blowing some minds. Uh, So I want to uh, do some Mark of the Beast parallels. But also, you know, take it easy. Take it easy on people. None of us know anything. Just remember that. None of us know anything, and we're all afraid. Your doctor, nurse, uh, RN, uh, member of your family, uh, some of them may know things, right? 
the teacher, the, some of them may know things. Some of them may know a lot of things, and some of them may be outright geniuses. But just because somebody has a title on their name doesn't mean they're actually an authority. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not a disrespect to anybody. I've met some brilliant doctors, but I've also met some very smart construction workers. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, don't let someone's job title dictate their level of intelligence to you. You know what I mean? And don't just because you're like, well, he's a doctor, so he knows. He very well could be wrong. And uh, doctors are wrong all the time. All the time. And, uh, um, you know, and we're having a good time out here. I am having a great time. And I've been doing a lot of comedy. I just had my most successful TikTok video ever. I'm on TikTok. I'm on YouTube, at Dusty Slay. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. We're having a good time.